Good evening, Patriots, and it's Saturday, June 19th, or 18th, June 18th, in the year 2022. East Coast, you just entered into Sunday, and a blessed Sunday to you. Patriots, before we begin, make sure you're getting a good night's sleep. Make sure you're getting good products to sleep with, and there's no better place to do that than MyPillow.com. And right now, more than ever, we need to continue to support MyPillow. Walmart did the woke thing. And they canceled my pillow and all their stocks because Mike Lindell has been fighting for the election integrity for 2020 elections. And then to match that, he's got all sorts of amazing specials going on. And it's the best company out there to get your sleep products, your bedroom products, your towels, your sheets, your slippers, including that whole new line of my slippers, which you can currently get with a big savings with your part promo code BARDS, B-A-R-D-S. So if you head on over to MyPillow.com forward slash Bards, that's the Bards Nation's landing page. Use your promo code Bards, B-A-R-T-S. Take advantage of the amazing sales that are going on right now. All sorts of amazing sales, including the sales on these new MySlippers, $90 off. And they're like the all-terrain, all-weather slippers, unlike any other slipper you've had, super comfortable. They also have the six-piece towel set on, buy one, get one free, which is an amazing buy. My Pillow Classics, buy one, get one free. Giza Dream Sheets, buy one, get one free. Amazing deals going on all over. So head on over to MyPillow.com forward slash bars. Take advantage of the amazing sales that are happening right there. And enjoy some of the best products you can get on the web. MyPillow.com forward slash bars. Promo code bars, B-A-R-D-S. Well, we've got some crazy going on, which is not surprising. But I want to start tonight with just a little look at where this, this kind of this COVID or this great reset is going. It's a great article today that came up in Zero Hedge. It's actually came from the Mises Institute. It's authored by Bearson Philip. I'm going to read some of the pieces of it, which is a real interesting perspective. It starts out, the COVID-19 pandemic featured an unprecedented, unprecedented future fusion of the interests of large and powerful corporations with the power of the state. Democratically elected politicians in many countries failed to represent the interests of their own citizens and upheld their own cons- or and uphold their own constitutions and charters of rights. Specifically, they supported lockdown measures, vaccine mandates, the suppression of a variety of early treatment options, the censorship of dissenting views, propaganda interference in the private spheres of individuals, and the suspension of various forms of freedom. All of these policies and measures were centrally designed by the social engineers of the pandemic. A couple other highlights here. Globalists, who, which we know all of that. That's not new. Globalists who are obsessed with social, societal control decided to take advantage of the pandemic in order to increase their authoritarian power. I would only add that it wasn't they didn't take advantage, they engineered it for this. Drastic changes to the world order like the Great Reset do not happen spontaneously. Rather, they are designed by global policymakers, including influential billionaires, politicians, celebrities, biased academics, wealthy philanthropists, and the bureaucrats of international organizations and institutions. These types of people support social engineering because it will enable them to acquire control over the world's wealth and natural resources and strengthen their ability to shape society as they see fit. Continuing on, in fact, some of the most ridiculous control proposed by the World Economic Forum included, I like these, limiting the washing of jeans to no more than once a month and pajamas once a week. The WEF also advocates for transforming entire food systems by in encouraging people to consume insects, arguing that insect protein has high quality properties and can be used as an alternative source of protein throughout the food chain from feed to agriculture or aquaculture to ingredients for natural supplements for human and pets. Reforming the food system would also solve or involve eating cultured meat, referring to meat product created by cultivating animal cells in a controlled lab environment. Yum, yum. Imagine what those ribs would taste like out of that Petri dish. 
The WEF also supports the elimination of car ownership as paying for a wide for a ride or delivery is as easy as tapping a smartphone app and renting a vehicle means that car loans and insurance payments shrink or disappear. Ultimately, the Great Reset aims to create a world where you will own nothing and you will be happy by 2030. And people will not possess any private property and rent everything they need in life. Once the Great Reset is complete, individuals will essentially have their thinking and decision-making done for them by men such as themselves, addressing them and speaking in their name, which is entirely the artificial intelligence issue. If the social engineering of the WEF is successful, then by 2030, one will not be able to rely on oneself, family members, relative friends, or community. This is because the supporters of any absolutist regime want traditions and customs to be corrupted, memories obliterated, habits destroyed, liberty chased from the laws. Social engineers of the WEF are essentially advocating for natural freedom, which would allow the strong to exercise their power while subjugating the weak. In doing so, they are basically calling for the world to move backward to the development of human history towards the reinstitution of feudalism and slavery. That's the future that they're trying to paint in the Great Reset. Now, fortunately, a lot of their plans have been disrupted into no small degree by President Putin of Russia. And it's causing a lot of instability across all systems. But unfortunately, with this, we are seeing a retreat of the power elites back to their, what I would call, islands of brainwashed or controlled cultures. We are one of those. Russia, to a large degree, is free. And I think we're going to discover something very unsettling they were going to discover that China is more free than we think. And I know that sounds a bit bizarre, but I think we're going to discover that it's not like anything that's been painted by the media. And that's something that's been nagging at me because I've been asking myself over and over, if the media is trying to paint all these horrible views of China, which they do regularly, then what is the real truth? We're going to, our world is basically an inversion. We know that. The media paints it as an inversion. And unfortunately, there's a large preponderance in this country to still believe what's in the media and not have a connection to any sort of truth. And because people have detached themselves from a life grounded in truth, like doing things with your hands, building things, trades, actually doing things, so many people are living in a different space, then what happens is they become very easily influenced by the perceptions of media, big tech, web, etc., Social media is not, not to uh, understate that. And, I, and unfortunately, we as a nation are very much in a place like Canada, like Europe. The Western world is still very much under the clutches of the media. Now, it's breaking. It's breaking down. We know that with the advent of the digital army and the alternative media sources, but still not enough. And I, one of the things I point to, and, and it's critical, is food. The war has shifted pretty radically to the food institutions of our nation. There is, and yet very few people, relatively speaking, are talking about it. The main influencers in our nation, the ones that are hyped up about running for office and trying to get everybody out to vote, aren't mentioning, even the politicians on the trail, the importance of preparing. Food is a major, major issue right now. And it, it stuns me how little it is talked about, and it, yet it is the one vulnerability. And what concerns me is that when you take enough of the population and you influence them to believe that the new direction has to be to reset everything, which there's a lot of people believing in this, then you can justify shortages, sacrifice, and, then the, and that's what a cult does, by the way, because we're dealing with a massive cult. And it's a cult of the NWO, which is the cult of the Nazi world order. And those that are awake have stepped away from the Nazi world order. But food is a major weapon system. And it's one of these things that we have to really get very serious about preparing. I've said this many times about food. If this thing ends up blowing over, like some people try to say, it's going to be a very quick issue. We're going to just 90 days. Don't worry about it. 90 days, it'll all be over. Then if you prepared well, then you've got meals taken care of for a long time and you have nothing to worry about.
And if you've got it either way, if you've been growing food and, and trying to get animals going on your property and growing your own meat, you're living healthier than the rest of the world will be because no matter how you cut this, you can't fix this problem quickly. We, the Resistance Chicks and I did a show earlier tonight. We're just going to make this a weekly thing. It's going to be over on Clout Hub, and we're focusing on Patriot Gardens. And right now, we just kind of did an introductory show today. We, we had some getting used to the new Clout Hub system and how we're going to shoot. And we're going to actually start shooting it outdoors in our gardens or other people's gardens. So you can start seeing that. And it's important because this is one of these issues, like I say, that just nobody's focusing enough on. And when we talk about county-by-county county issue, we talk about sovereignty, we talk about stepping away, taking responsibility for our lives. And you've heard me say this many, many times. Food is the most radical and revolutionary thing you could do, meaning taking care of your own food. There's a piece here. It's about seven and a half minutes, but I think it does an exceptional job um, of, of really looking at all of the events that have happened from the food processing plants and all of this and kind of giving you a perspective on what we're facing. Hey, Internet friends, we're back at it again. I really wasn't planning on doing a follow-up to my food processing plant fires video, the one I put out at the end of April, but here we are. If you want to know a little more context behind the strange coincidences of the 2022 Hunger Games, I'll link the video below. In that video, I cataloged over 20 food processing plant fires between all of 2021 and 2022 thus far. April 22nd is the day I put out that video, but since then a lot has happened. So let's not stand on ceremony, we'll just jump right in. April 22nd, nearly 3.5 million chickens were destroyed because of avian flu in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. Throughout this video, you're going to notice an uptick in the amount of chickens that are being killed as we continue on, like the like to the tune of millions and millions of chickens and turkeys and ducks in the United States. To quote, stop the spread of avian flu. And it's curious to me because prepared and cooked poultry and eggs infected with avian flu are apparently safe to eat. So did they really have to go and kill all those chickens for nothing? Like just waste them all? What was Hillary's backyard chicken sacrifice to Moloch not enough? We needed millions more. Hi, hon. Can you fact check that for us, Mackenzie? PolitiFact just published an article raging over this 95-item list of food processing plant fires and poultry culling saying that while the whole list is true, it's absolutely not intentional. These fires were not set intentionally. There's, there's no evidence. Really, you guys are just mean conspiracy theorists spreading dangerous conspiracies on the internet. And the same people who brought down strong nations and empires of the past would never starve millions of people to death to get control over a country. Never. April 28th was apparently a terrible day to be a chicken because in Iowa, 5.3 million eggling chickens were killed and 200 workers were fired at Rembrandt Farms, owned by billionaire Glenn Taylor. Side note, in the month of May, a ton of chickens, ducks, and turkeys were destroyed or killed due to the avian flu. I'm not going to go through each instance individually, but I will provide the list that puts them on a timeline. Okay, back to it. On May 2nd in Ruston, Mississippi, a fire broke out at a chicken farm in Jones County. It took out two chicken houses and completely destroyed like the roofs, the chicken houses, everything. On May 19th, a freight train carrying limestone derailed in Jensen Beach, Florida. I included this on here because in a farm setting, lime will raise the pH of the soil and reduce the concentration of toxic aluminum, so it's very important for growing crops. Ten days later on May 29th, a fire killed an estimated hundreds of thousands of egg-laying chickens at Forsman Farms in Howard Lake, Minnesota. According to the Forsman Farms website, the farm started in 1918, and now the fourth-generation family farm sells more than 3 million eggs a day to some of the nation's largest retailers. With this next one, it's not on the master list that's going around, but I, I personally wanted to add it because it affected a major resource for farmers. On May 31st, an irrigation equipment manufacturer in Wadena, Minnesota caught fire and the warehouse burned for two days. The building was being used by Minnesota Valley Irrigation for storage and equipment operations. Moving into June, a fire occurred at the JBS meatpacking plant in Green Bay with nearly $30,000 in damage. 
A day later, on June 8th, firefighters responded to a fire at the Purina Feed Mill in Arcola, Illinois. Then on June 9th, a, a major announcement took place. Officials said to combat drought, irrigation water was canceled in California, which is the number one producer of food in the United States. So officials are barring certain cities and farms from diverting river water. River water, which was used for farmlands that grow almonds, pistachios, grapes, alfalfa for cattle, other crops. Farmers basically can't use that water anymore. And the director of water resources for the California Farm Bureau said that that he hopes that these cuts don't lead to food shortages or significant hikes in food prices because he really doesn't want to rely on China or Mexico or South America to supply food to the United States. Then a day later on June 10th, more cuts occurred in California. This time at the Smithfield Foods in Vernon, they process pork, they process hogs. They're owned by Hong Kong-based conglomerate WH Group, and Smithfield is the largest pork processor in the country by volume. They said that production costs were just too high and they shut down the plant. On June 13th, a fire occurred in Belmont, Wisconsin at the Festive Foods Processing Facility, which deals mainly in frozen food items. Those were so many F-words in a row. I don't know how I just got through it, but basically the frozen food plant caught on fire. And then we arrive at the big news of yesterday, June 15th. When footage of thousands of dead cows emerged on TikTok, a TikToker by the name of Barbie Doll Henderson 1973 posted a video showing thousands of cattle dead and being piled up and lined up with a bobcat. News outlets reported on this video, but as of yet, they cannot verify that the deaths of these cows were related to the heat wave or even where the video was taken. So keep that in mind as I talk about this. But basically, the United States has seen extreme temperatures for the last couple of days, and on June 13th, the temperatures reached 108 Fahrenheit in southwest Kansas. Matthew Laura, spokesperson for the Kansas Department of Health and Environment, told reporters that at least 2,000 cattle have died due to high temperatures and humidity as of June 14th. And that 2,000 figure comes from facilities that are helping ranchers dispose of the dead bodies. But... My question is, it's hot everywhere, so why aren't cattle dying everywhere? Did y'all see that episode of Yellowstone where the bad guys flew over the cattle fields and sprinkled poison hay from the air, and the Dutton family woke up and all their cattle were dead and they had to burn all their fields? It's giving predictive programming. Mackenzie, I know you're watching this. What do you think? You think that these rolling blackouts, if they kill the electricity, all the food in the freezer and fridge will spoil? Not to belabor these Yellowstone jokes, but I think whoever funds PolitiFact needs to be taken to the train station, along with a few other characters. We have too many Jamies walking around and running things and not enough rips. What do y'all think? Are they sabotaging the supply chain? Are these fires and events intentional? You know, I always appreciate and enjoy your thoughts. And in the comment section of my last video on this topic, some comments of note pertain to some alternative. And there we go. The war is literally being waged in the form of food. And we don't really have a perspective on the, what we don't have a perspective of is on the depth and magnitude of this impact. We don't really have a full accounting of all of the food processing plants, but when we start to look at food processing plants that have now exceeded over 100, according to Mike Adams, and we're looking at losses of water in the central part of California, which will basically ruin most of the main crops there, avocados and nuts and other fruits, we are looking at a significant issue that cannot be resolved quickly. And, and this is where a perspective on this to keep be very real is to keep in balance with what else is going on. And with that, suddenly, at the same time of all this has happened, they're now relabeling and getting rid of the GMO tag on food. The word bioengineered will replace the old term GMO. Consumer reporter Susan Hogan is working for you to explain this change so that you can make some smart and healthy choices for your family. 
Well, that's right. Both the new term, bioengineered, and the one it's replacing, GMO, refer to foods that have had their DNA altered to either enhance their nutritional value or make them resistant to disease. So if you pay attention to food labels, you've probably seen GMO on some products made with food like corn and soybeans, foods like canola oil or sugar. But now GMO will be called bioengineered on food labels. The changes are part of the USDA's new rules that went into effect this year to create a national standard for labeling. The words mean the same thing, but some critics say because GMOs have a bad rap, changing the name is somewhat deceitful to consumers. No, the words don't mean the same thing. Bioengineered includes CRISPR and GMO technologies. So that means that additive and subtractive gene editing is allowed. And to give you an idea, what they're doing here is they're starting to prepare for this new verticalized agriculture model, which is both GMO and, and uh, CRISPR-based, so that they can start pushing this product out in pretty much everything across the store chains. You're, if you buy, we find everybody probably at one point or another buys products in the box. We're going to have to start paying extremely attention, extreme attention to every detail on the label. And again, this is pushing us back to us a point where we have to start reflecting pretty carefully on at least how I look at this is what is really happening here on a larger scale. We know that the food processing plants are pretty much hell on earth if you've ever been around one. They're, they're not good places. Yes, they provide meat. Yes, they provide food for us, but they're brutal and they're, they're very it's a very inhumane way for the most part of dealing with God's creatures and a harvest that we rely on. When we look at farming and the shutting down of lands, it's an interesting thing because the only way to heal the land is to have the land go to fallow. It's kind of like God's seven year cycle, right? And our lands have not been put to fallow at all. So there's a, a point here where the, there's an opportunity for us. If we take this as an opportunity ignoring the crazies that are out here screaming that it's our fault or that it's the government's fault or whatever and trying to scream about the fact that they have to choose between food and gas. That's Those sort of crazy comments are coming up. But now we have to kind of get to that central point of looking at what is actually out, what's the potential outcome of this? When you put land into fallow, you start to heal the soil. Our soils have not been nurtured in this nation. Most of the soils in the Midwest are destroyed. In fact, they're little more than containers. If we take the onus and take responsibility in the, in the part of this time of what gift we're being given and we start growing our own food, we are becoming part of a solution, not part of a problem. I mentioned before there's 70 million acres of toxic lawn in this nation. Those lawns need to become gardens, and we need to stop trying to manage them with fertilizers and pesticides and whatever else you're putting on them just for simply to look nice. This is going to become a functional time in our life where we have to return back to the basics of what we were intended to be all along. Technology is one of the greatest lures and traps we've ever seen. It's a it's a promise of of it's purely a promise of convenience. And when we start talking about convenience, we're stepping away from the kind of our core mission and purpose here on earth. When we start to take responsibility with growing and putting food on our table, all of us doing that, and we're sharing that literally the sowing of seeds, it's, as I said in the beginning, it's one of the most radical things you can do. It's truly revolutionary. And it is an act whereby each person doing that, we're pulling ourselves away from this corporate matrix. We're, we're reducing or, if you will, wounding the matrix in a small way. We're creating one less little bit of control it has over each of us. And as we continue to, dis, to pull away, we're, we're also doing something pretty fantastic, which is as we take responsibility for food, we're also and should be nurturing the soil within our own homes. That's taking back the land. That's reclaiming the land in God's name. It isn't just a house and it isn't just an apartment. Everywhere you are, you have an ability to grow food. No matter where you are, you're not limited. And it's, to me, one of the most profound moments in our history where we literally have this choice to make, an amazing choice to make, of whether we're going to remain with the structure 
of this beast that we're in or whether we're going to make a decision to move forward and to literally free ourselves. All of this other stuff that goes around us, whether it's January 6th, whether it's the all the rhetoric and noise is coming around the vote, all of this is just a distraction to keep us away from the principal mission that as we awaken and return to God, we are reclaiming our power, our dominion over the earth. And the one thing that's for sure and for absolute certain, Satan knows he's lost. He's just in panic. The devil is buying for time. The evil tyrants, these evil people are trying to move so quick and confuse our children and confuse who we are because they know if they can keep us in this confused state, they're buying for time. This is a fight for humanity. Yeah. And I think when people start to understand that, it changes everything. I would hope so. And I would hope that we do change everything in this place as people start to awaken to what the greater fight is. But unfortunately, it's probably going to take quite a bit of a shakeup. And part of that many times means that people have to endure that which they have willed into the world. We're in that place right now. And there's a lot of that willing that we're witnessing in the world of what people have have wanted this sort of easy lifestyle, the promises of this or that. So I just didn't, I continue to encourage it. And I always put this qualifier on because there is no knowing the future of what the future will bring. We, we honestly don't know if the future is going to bring the fire and brimstone of the, of the collapse of all society. And we're all going to be going straight up Mad Max or whether it's going to be something in a sort of God hands transition to where we slowly go through things and awaken. We really don't know. Let me read Psalm four. Answer me when I call God for my righteousness. You have relieved me in my distress. My gracious to me, be gracious to me and hear my prayer. You sons of man, how long will you honor Will my honor be treated as an insult? How long will you love what is worthless and strive for a lie? Selah. But know that the Lord has set apart the godly person for himself. The Lord hears when I call him. Tremble and do not sin. Meditate in your heart upon your bed and be still. Selah. Offer the sacrifices of righteousness and trust in the Lord. Many are saying, who will show us anything good? Lift up the light of your face upon Lord, honest Lord. You have put joy in my heart. More than when their grain and new wine are abundant in peace, I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, Lord, have me dwell in safety. It's really becoming clearer and clearer that most everything else out here, as it gets so ridiculous, is just that. It's distractions to pull us away, to pull us into the areas of worthlessness and striving to live in lies. And it's intentional. It's Lucifer's attempt to constantly pull us away from God. I really believe that if we all just sat down for a minute, more than a minute, like we all just went through this like, week of fast. You could imagine this like, okay, we're going to do a week of fast. No one's going to do anything but pray and tend to the garden and just be quiet for a week. This whole thing would literally transform itself instantly into God's way. The beautiful part about that is that we can make those choices ourselves, because there's enough of us that are connected through prayer and through the body of Christ that we can experience that. And it's a very profound walk that we're in because we're increasingly becoming awakened to, I think, the deeper realization that all of the material things, everything about it around us is just noise and confusion. It's great. The things that we have, the talents that we build are essential. They're part of us growing. But in really when we get down to it, the spiritual part of this is literally anchored in the sowing of seeds. It's a beautiful process. And it's a very calming place. And so part of growing food to me and, and getting that and why it 
I think it is such a radical and important act right now is that it really does reset us back to that foot of God. From a pragmatic point of view, providing for yourself and providing, making sure that we have the means to do that and teach others gives us an ability to provide stability and hope for people in a time of a lot of despair. We're in a, a point when that bifurcation is here, that division. There are those that are absolutely in panic, but they can't see past their panic. And there's some amazing pieces on the, to that end right now that are going around. And the people that are literally going through meltdowns, they're now blaming it on the, the Christian right. They're blaming high gas costs on that. This is panic. And this is the anger. Actually, it's panic, but it's coming out as anger because that's the first step in walking through loss, which is the loss of the cult that they've been part of. What these people lack is a relationship with God and that intimate relationship with Jesus. And where we gain so much of our, our true grounding and our true strength is when we're working in, in with the garden and we're working with our hands and we're growing our own food and we're taking back that control in our life. We're also bring, becoming stronger as that light in the communities to be stable, to be able to endure these sort of outlandish responses. I have no doubt that one of the biggest challenges this nation is going to face is has nothing to do with the elections. And I think that's what bothers me is it's, it's an obvious dis- distraction right before everybody. We know the elections are broken. We know that the process of the elections isn't working. We know the voter rolls are still rigged. And while it's a simple act just say, for someone just to say, I'm going to vote, okay, check, done it. did that check we're spending again in a cycle of insanity we're going to see spending of millions and millions hundreds of millions of dollars over these next few months in wasted advertising campaign rallies to tell you i'm better than him or she's better than him and the idea that in a simple sense it's all about influencing people to keep their eyes on one candidate over the other when at the same time we have a mounting level of homelessness so our food costs are going up our fuel costs are going up and all of this distraction is not getting to the core issue it's not helping us as a nation come together and it's not helping us as a nation to reset our moral foundation when we push and focus on what we're growing we find something rather profound And this is where I think one of God's greatest gifts is right before us, and it's so important that we live it, not just talk it. When we grow food, I can take a radical leftist, I can take a a conservative, gun-toting, cowboy, hat-wearing, wonderful Texan, and I can have them together in a garden, and they may not agree on politics. Matter of fact, they might not even like each other, but I'll tell you what, we can all agree on one thing. Food's important and nurturing the plants is essential for us to survive. You see, so much of where we have come to in a society is that we have arrived at a point because we're no longer connected to the land, we're no longer connected to the source of food, that we've been able now to run amok like children on a playground. And worse, it's children on a playground that all now have clubs. And it just depends on what group is going to be more aggressive than the other. We have to get back to connecting with our source of food because as we connect with the source of food, we connect with the source of life. And as we connect with the source of life, we connect with God. Now in those three, those three people I just mentioned, like myself and a a radical leftist and a, and a cowboy Texan, it's not a, the amazing thing in that place is if we fight, the food gets destroyed. If we understand the value of food, we're going to start to appreciate the value of life. And maybe that one person won't call it God. Maybe they'll call it the Holy Spirit. Maybe they'll call it Mother Nature. I don't know. But you stay long enough in the garden. You stay long enough and watch the miracles of life. You watch and participate in that long enough. I don't care who you are. God will touch you. God will speak to you. And God will open your heart. And in that whole process the miracle of life becomes before us. 
Tomorrow is Father's Day. For all the fathers out there, happy Father's Day. Celebrate this miracle of life. Celebrate the life that you're part of and that you were part of creating. Celebrate that place in the world that God has placed men to raise up, be strong, to be the wise voice in times of conflict, to be the strength in the middle of a storm, not to be reactive, but to be grounded, but to be so solid that you're, you face anything without fear. Not to be sensitive about little things that are said, but to think clearly and to provide the way ahead. And to know that the world, as fathers, children look to the father to be that trailblazer, to be that recon ahead, to point them on the right way, to teach them the skills so that when they leave the house, they go forward and they do great things. So blessings to all the fathers that are out there. And this is, it is such an amazing time. At a time that God is reminding us so much about the nurturing, about the developing, about the caring for, and about the leading of the young and the youth and all those things around us in life to rebuild this world. This world is being reformed before our very eyes. We're in the valley of decision, and there are hard decisions to make. It takes fathers. It takes men. It takes fathers and mothers, and it takes families to make that decision. And we're going to have to make it together. And we're going to have to walk that together, and we have to work together to get through this. Not one person can survive it. If there's one of the greatest advantages we have that is even unspoken over any army that Satan can mount, it's that we are together as a family and as God's children. We look out for one another, we care for one another, we have empathy for one another, but we're ferocious in protecting one another as well. There is another big piece of the Father. Satan's army is very much about fear. It's about control through fear, submission, pain. Satan's army is very much about me, the individual, wanting to achieve greatness for themselves. And in the process, the army doesn't have continuity when it begins to face rupture within its ranks. And rupture is happening within its ranks right now. The world is going to need food to survive this. And that sounds almost ridiculous as a statement, almost like, of course it will. But no one's saying it. No one is drawing the attention to the food that is declining. No one's thinking in terms of the big scope of what's going to happen to not just me or my neighbor, but what's going to happen across the middle part of America or up in Canada or down in Mexico. Because here's the bottom line. If there's one piece that we should all start becoming to realize is that we're all one body. We're all one humanity. We're not individuals. You see, at the core of everything Lucifer has done, he's pulled one of the greatest tricks of all. He's made us believe that we're individuals, that somehow as individuals we're trying to work with each other and that we pray for each other and that individually we accept Christ into our life. We are part of one body in Christ. And the miraculous thing about that is that means that we're all in this literally together. Both those that are suffering and both those that are succeeding. All of us. And as that awakening comes to the realization that we truly are one body, now we realize just how deeply manipulated we have been and how tragic much of that is. But we can make that difference. We can sow those seeds. We can demonstrate that place in the world where we literally can walk as a remnant, knowing that even in the ranks of the remnant, we don't all agree. We aren't all going to get along perfectly. But the one thing that bridges us is the appreciation that we're all part of one body. And if we can continue to demonstrate that as a walk, we are starting to awaken the many others that are trying to think that they're living in the life of themselves. Life gets a whole lot easier when we accept Christ and we accept our place within the body of Christ. Remembering that the eyes don't see the same as the knee and don't see the same things as the toe. 
So we are different. It's, it is a collage, and it's a beautiful one. And it's an amazing time right now as this awakening comes and we start to realize just how together we really are, not how different we really are. And when you look back, just sit back for a moment and look at the world and look at how much effort they're putting in, they being those of the evil side of this fight. Pay attention to how much emphasis they're placing right now in high-speeding, emphasizing, drilling home every aspect of division. Why? Because something has shaken them, and I think I know what it is. I think they've suddenly awakened to the fact that we, as humanity, are starting to open our eyes and realize that we are part of the body of Christ. We're not different like we thought we were. We're all part of one, and when we achieve that, evil's done. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this evening, and thank you for the reflections that we have, and we're blessed with the bounty that you provide for us in this world. Father, we have always been rich. Sadly, we've computed wealth in terms of money and things, and yet, when we begin with a garden, we re- we're reminded of how one seed can yield a hundred seeds out of one plant and how one plant can feed many. Father, you have given us everything that we need and we have been deeply deceived. We have continued to fight one another over scarcity when in fact we've had plenty because we've relied on them. Father, we just pray tonight deeply. We pray now for that strength, that strength of Father, the the hand of the Father to touch so many, to provide the wisdom, to make us understand more deeply that we're not so different, that we're of a deeper one, that we're actually part of the one body in Christ, each unique in the perfect form that you created us, but walking together in one direction. So Father, We just pray for that opening of eyes, for those ears to hear, and for that feeling to come up in everybody's heart that only you can bring to us all. And most of all, Father, on this eve of Father's Day, thank you for as a Father, you have given us all, you've forgiven us repeatedly, and you continue to love us infinitely. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name, amen. So for fathers, I hope you have a very blessed Sunday. I started my ribs tonight for tomorrow. (laughs) They're going to be good. Double cooked. They're going to be awesome. Slow cooked and slow cooked again tomorrow with a lot of good marinating. Patriots, make sure you're planting seeds. Make sure you're stocking up on food. I know this sounds like a broken record sometimes, but It's heavy on my heart, and it's important that we share that message to as many people as possible. In the worst of situations, it would it's going to be life saving. In the best of moments, it just means we have access to help others. Either way, it's essential that we take back that domain, that we reclaim our sovereignty with God's gifts. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil, never relent, always press into the fight. Prayers up for our fathers. We need a lot more great fathers in this nation. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God will always win. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We are at war. Walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Mission forward. I'll see you tomorrow night for Fishers of Men. Until then or until the next time. God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. All this time we had to prove that we could stand here too. All the nights been pushing through, fight for all we had to lose. Reaching out for something to pull us up to the level ground. Oh, I can see. We're on the edge of a moment, but not of a
sets down over the hill where the lost got found. Reaching through somehow. Oh, you're an island when the world is too loud. When the seasons change, I know the space between us will stay the same. Resting on this faith, when your soul answers calls far away. Safe place to hide from the rain.